Christianity rises and falls on one central truth. And that truth is this, Jesus is alive. I mean, Jesus most assuredly died and he most assuredly rose again. But there's a wonderful addition to that truth. And it's this, because Jesus lives, we can too. Well, welcome to Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, hosted each week by myself, Lynn Pryor, and Chris Johnson. And joining Chris and I today is Jim Gantenbein. Jim, thank you for taking the time to call in and be a part of this podcast. My pleasure. When Jim is, uh, the reason Jim's part of this podcast is uh, he wrote the session that we're talking about here, the session called Jesus Lives and You Can Too. Now, Jim, uh, I want you to help our listeners here get a little background. Uh, you're pastoring in Washington. You've been there for many years. Now, are you a native of Washington? Nope. I was born in the Bay Area of California in Berkeley. Okay. So how long, you, you've been, how long have you been at the church, Kitsap Lake Baptist Church? I'm coming up on my 16th anniversary. Uh, well, actually, uh, I will have been 16 years uh, before Easter hits. Okay. Well, great. Well, great. Congratulations. Anything about us, your family, you want to tell us? I've been married to my wife, Kathy, since May 26th of 1974. We have three kids. They're all married. Uh, great kids. Great kids-in-law. And we have six grandchildren, one foster granddaughter that we hope will become our seventh grandchild as well. So this is uh, our celebration of uh, Easter. So we're excited about that. This is, this is our time. This is our message. This is the opportunity that we have as the church to proclaim uh, what makes us distinctive from all other uh, faiths, all other religions it is that this proclamation, this good news that Jesus rose from the dead, and this is our hope. This is why we can talk about eternity, and uh, I'm excited about having the opportunity to talk about this today. Great. Uh, and so we're going to, uh, to be in this study, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, uh, last chapter of Matthew, as it talks about the resurrection. And of course, as we get into Matthew 28, uh, here it is, it's the Sabbath morning, uh, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and some of the other, the other women went to the tomb. There's an earthquake. Uh, angel of the Lord comes down. He rolls back the stone. And I love how Matthew uh, describes this. The guards were shaken by fear of him, and they became like dead men. In verse 5, it says, the angel said, told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. So it's important that we uh, note that in the first verse, it, it tells us that these women who had been at the crucifixion were going to the tomb to view it. They were going without any anticipation or hope that anything had changed from what happened uh, just a few days sooner when Jesus died on the cross and was buried. I'm always struck by the fact that these people were not reviewing a Bible story. <laughs> they, did, they didn't have 2,000 years of history and familiarity with this event. It had never happened. This was happening. It was all brand new. It was all fresh. They were going there expecting a dead body. And this changed their reality completely. Uh, very hard thing to deal with a brand new reality when you've held on to the other one very tightly. Uh, also, 
with uh, the angel saying, don't be afraid <laughs> and straighten them out. <laughs> That's necessary. So many times in the Bible, God shows up and people are afraid every single time, whether the people are evil or the people are righteous, God or an angel shows up, be it to uh, Moses at the burning bush or Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after they had eaten the forbidden fruit. God shows up and people are afraid. Zechariah was in the temple and the angel and showed up and he was afraid. Uh, it happens over and over. Uh, and these people were afraid and God always says, don't be afraid. And then here, here's what to do instead of being afraid. Here's the news I have for you. It's intriguing to me. First, as you, as you were saying that, Jim, I, I just thought to myself, I don't think I ever want to see an angel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to experience that kind of fear. Uh, one of the questions that we ask uh, in, in the study is, why, why is it that our first response is fear when we don't understand something? Oh, I, I, I believe with all my heart, first of all, the shock of the moment. Okay. Sure. I, I mean, it, it is a shock. It's like walking along, minding your own business, and someone jumps out from behind a building and goes, boo, and, and it shocks you. But I think the other thing is this, be you righteous or be you totally evil. When we stand in the presence of God, the contrast is so evident. My sinfulness, no matter how much I, I, I live for God, I still have that sin nature. And when I stand next to God, the contrast is so evident, just like uh, uh, say you have a white shirt and you've worn it for years. You like it. It's comfortable. And you wash it. You keep it clean and ironed. And it's, and it's that white shirt. And then my wife say, buys me a brand new white shirt. And I put it there on the bed, take it out of the wrapper. And there it is. And I go get my other white shirt. Cause now I have two and I put <laughs> it down next to it. And it's, I have a, a brand new white shirt and I have this kind of yellowish shirt. <laughs> and, and suddenly the contrast is real evident. And I believe when we're next to God, the contrast is evident and it's scary. Uh, Adam and Eve, they, Adam said, I was afraid uh, when, when I heard your voice. Yeah. When, when you said that just a few minutes ago, I mainly thought of Isaiah. His vision and of 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 being in the presence of God in mm -hmm. Isaiah six, yeah. and and Peter almost did the same words that Isaiah said uh, when Jesus did the miracle of uh, when G when they caught the great catch of fish in the day and uh, in in Luke Peter's response was depart from me i'm uh, uh because of how holy you are and, and I'm not uh, Isaiah had that same kind of response so that's that th those are great insights. And you can imagine the women, they were going there doing what in their heart and their mind was a good thing to do. And then suddenly they were confronted with the situation and they were faced with their own unbelief. I but, find it know. interesting too, uh, Jim, in this passage that in verse, uh, verse four, Matthew tells us the guards were shaken by fear of him. But in verse five, the angel told the women, don't be afraid. It's like there's two different, you know, they're, they're afraid for a different reason. Uh, <laughs> it's just, that's fascinating. But the angel does say, you know, don't be afraid, you know, because I know you're looking for Jesus. Their fear was not just, I think, just the angel, but the tomb is empty. Something serious has happened here. And then when you come to verse six, I mean, the angel continues. He's not here for he is risen just as he said. 
Uh, that's why he's telling you, you don't have to be afraid. Jesus has done the very thing he said he would do. He follows that up in verse six. Uh, you know, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. And then he says, and now come, come and see the place where he lay. And I love that because to me, there's just this idea here. Here's the evidence that Jesus is alive. Just come, come in and check it out. The resurrection can be investigated. All through the Bible, when God's people are afraid because uh, suddenly they're in the presence of God or, or something shifts like that, God does that very thing, it seems like. And he does it in my life. Don't be afraid. And here's what you focus on instead of your fear. Here's what can replace your fear. Here's why you don't need to be afraid. And I believe that was what he was doing with the angels. Uh, he was less interested in them not being afraid. He was more interested in them on understanding Jesus was risen. So one of the questions that we ask in, in this section in, for senior adults is, uh, what, are some, what is the evidence that you can point to of Jesus working in someone's life or being real um, in someone's life? So I think uh, this gives us the opportunity um, to, to move from, from the story to, to today that Jesus is alive and he is still at work. And um, it's important for us to talk about um, how, how, how we see this. What are, what is the evidence uh, that he is at work today? Certainly one of them is what's there in verse seven of Matthew 28. It ends with, listen, I have told you God's people listen to God. Uh, the guards, they weren't listening. <laughs> they were, they were in a coma, basically, uh, but uh, the women listened. And no matter how uncomfortable we are, how uh, shocked we are or surprised we are, uh, if we're following God, if we, if we love God, we're going to listen to him. Um, as, as people are in groups this week talking about this, um, obviously not everyone believes in the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so um, it might be good uh, for us to not just Again, we're going to look at the, the event in, in Matthew 28, uh, but also recognize that there are today still obstacles uh, that people encounter in regard to believing uh, this, the truth of the resurrection. So um, you guys, what, what would you say, what comes to mind when we think of obstacles uh, that people today have um, connected to the belief of the resurrection of Jesus? Well, there's one that's obvious to me, Chris. It's just the fact that people don't just rise from the dead, okay? It just, come on. Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a nice story. Uh, it, 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 it may make you feel good, but it's nothing more than just a story. Uh, I think that's a big obstacle. I, th I think that's part of why one of my big passions when we come to Easter is I want to talk about the evidence of the resurrection, that there is... Uh, there's proof there as you kind of examine the passages uh, that Jesus, that the resurrection truly did happen. It can be, uh, can be verified by different sources, uh, and it happened. Um, of course, we know, you, you perhaps are familiar with the stories of people like um, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, some of these who became believers because they were investigating the resurrection of Christ, and they walked away convinced this was a true event. Yeah, so they started as skeptics, as unbelievers, yes. trying to disprove uh, the resurrection, and and came to to believe that the evidence obviously pointed to the truth of the resurrection. 
at some point they we all have to though be open to a mind change. Uh, they were skeptics. I was a skeptic, but we had to be open to what if I'm wrong? And uh, I, I, I believe with all my heart, they were, I was, and God, basically, he proves himself to me. The spirit of God does it. Uh, I cannot convince a single person that God is real. I can't convince anyone Jesus rose from the dead, but I can present information or facts or, or what I believe and share, even my testimony. And if they're open, I believe with all my heart, the, the spirit of God is the one that reveals truth to us. He still and, does uh, that. He still does that great work of convicting and drawing people to himself. So that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah and I, I love the fact that you never really see people condemned for question. I mean, questioning or having doubts. It's what they do. There's us in for this angel to say, hey, come in here, come and see where he was laying. Check it out. Yeah. He, he gives us permission to to ask those questions and to dig into it. Chris, you had referred to a question earlier uh, that's mentioned in the personal study guides. What was that question again? Would you say that again? I asked two. Um, one is evidence. Uh, what are what are some of the evidence that it that God is at work in someone's life? That Jesus is at work in someone's life? That's a and great other- question. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I want to park on because I think with us as we talk about the resurrection of Christ, there is there is the. Uh, I'm going to call it the evidence in scripture, but there's the evidence in our lives as well. Uh, and I know that doesn't sit with it. Well, that's just what you believe. It's what you want to believe. But I love that old hymn. Uh, he lives. I know that he is living. You know, he's, he's, he lives within my heart. You know, there, this there's, a, I know. this is the proof for me because I know my life has been changed yeah. and, and just to be able to, to verify within my own self. And I know some people will question that. Well, yeah, it's that, that was just you thinking that, but there's the evidence in my life. And then there's evidence that Christ gave us uh, in the scriptures. So uh, I think we can stand on very firm ground that the resurrection is a real thing. So when we come to verse eight, after the angel has given the invitation to come check things out, Matthew records this. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. But then, just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. Jesus told them, and here's that phrase again, do not be afraid. But go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. This has to be one of the greatest uh, three verses for the believer who feels weak and, and uh, uh, lots of uncertainty uh, that they were filled with great fear and they still went and did what they were supposed to do. That's a good point. I, I was struck. Wow. I was struck as Lynn, as you read this, that they were, they were filled with fear and great joy. Uh, those are, those are emotions that don't always go together. Uh, and it's really interesting to think about uh, as we celebrate Easter today. So, Jim, you opened the study by telling a story about a Christmas experience uh, with uh, with your son, uh, where, where your wife experienced a great deal of emotions. You want to reflect on that a little bit? That story, it's 100% true. It's even condensed. We had been there on, on our own mission trip and were praying with and trying to support and encourage missionaries in Amsterdam. And our son was one of those 
missionaries. We had a wonderful time there. We did a lot of prayer walking, seeing how if Christians just get rich with it, the whole thing falls apart. And how we looked at so many wonderful, magnificent church buildings that were now mosques or museums or things like that. Uh, and so it struck us, wow, uh, there's a real need for prayer. And we came home feeling very good, but our son would be away from us again for another Christmas. And that's very hard for us as parents and very hard for my wife, who's very, very uh, likes everyone home all the time. <laughs> we don't get that, but it was Christmas. And I told her, I said, I have another gift, but uh, it won't be ready till Christmas Eve and I'll need to go pick it up. She said, okay. And then I said, well, the guy said, it won't be ready till Christmas morning. Uh, Got to go pick it up. And I, I kept getting, uh, and the guy did say it. The guy just happened to be my son in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and on Christmas Eve, we, in those days, when our kids were still home, our younger two were still home, we spent Christmas Eve night wrapping gifts. We didn't wrap anything till Christmas Eve because they're nosy kids. And we'd sit uh -huh. in our room and watch. <laughs> We'd watch the same movie over and over on TV, like It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Story or whatever it was. And so we called our son, Aaron, in Amsterdam. For us, it's Christmas Eve. For him, it's Christmas Day, Christmas morning. And he's opening, opening gifts that we'd brought to him, uh, all wrapped on that mission trip we took. And he's describing them and thanking us and all that. And, and uh, when we hung up, uh, it was very emotional. It was a very sweet time. And uh, my wife, a little teary-eyed, and uh, I, I don't get teary-eyed because I'm such a manly man. Right, um, right. I, I get dust in my eyes. You know? <laughs> uh, and then uh, I said, oh, okay. And then the next morning, Aaron said, uh, this was delayed or whatever. I won't be in until such and such time. So I told my Kathy, I said, the guy said the gift won't be ready to be picked up until this evening now. Uh, so you just get your gift later on. And, uh, I said, I have to go up near Burien, which is a town, a city right next to SeaTac, which is where, uh, the main Seattle airport. airport is. And so I, I took off anyway, and I came back and I, I said, I got to bring the gift in, but I don't want you to see it. So go upstairs. So my wife and daughter were upstairs. Our youngest son was working at the movie theater and I brought Aaron in and I got one of those big boxes bicycle um, bags that you put on for gifts, you know, covered them up, went in. I said, you can come in. And so she comes downstairs, uh, my daughter and wife, they came downstairs and there was this big bag. Uh, our son is not small. He's a big, big man. And uh, it was sitting there just calm. And uh, Kathy looks at it and Allison looks at it. And then it moved a little bit. And our, our dog had died just a year or two earlier. And so Allison, our daughter, thought we'd gotten a new dog. A big dog. <laughs> and I, yeah, a big one. And, and I told Kathy, go ahead and lift. I said, just grab from the top and pull, pull the, the, the wrapper off. And so she does, and it moved up, and she takes her hand off. I said, go ahead, it won't bite you. <laughs> and she lifted it up, and she looked down, and I promise you, the joy, she looked terrified. I mean, there was a look of horror on her face for about, a second or two because her whole real world, everything she believed in, trusted in and would, would stake her life on had suddenly evaporated and exploded. Her reality was wrong. And, uh, Aaron just looked up and said, hi mom. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I, I didn't have to do anything for about eight days after that. I didn't have to do anything because I was the hero of all time for bringing <laughs> our son home. But it, it reminded me over and over that sometimes we are, we believe something is true because we 
think it so strongly, just like these women. They, they, they were convinced Jesus was dead. And I imagine they were at first, for a brief moment, horrified by what they found. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I had to say it more than once, you know. And what we need to remember in our groups is just that idea that we come at this story with, try to come at this story with fresh eyes. Many of us in our groups, we've, we've heard this, uh, the, the resurrection account for years. And for us to come at it with that same, the fresh eyes, as Jim has pointed out, to see this from the perspective of those women, this was not a Bible story to them. Uh, and their, what they th- perceived as their reality was about to change. Uh, what, they, what they thought was real was not. Uh, Jesus was alive. And I think there's value in us to be able to, to uh, think in those terms as we discuss this together in our groups. Appreciate you your story. It was a, a great connection to that, that fear and great joy all at the same time. I, I appreciate you telling that. Uh, a couple of the things that we want to encourage you to do uh, in your groups is to talk about uh, looking for opportunities to share this good news with others. So there's a question, what opportunities do we have? Um, another angle might be to talk about how you heard the story and who was influential in your life uh, in telling you about Jesus. So all, both of those things can give you opportunities uh, for a broader conversation about the significance and the importance of the resurrection today. Jim, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Uh, I think we're talking about such a significant event. And uh, at a moment, I'm going to give you the kind of the, the, the last word for our podcast. But let me just uh, say to our listeners, thank you for being a part of this podcast. And uh, we really do hope you have a great Bible study this week uh, for this Easter session. Jim, uh, share a last word with us. Last, last word comes from, for me from verse 10. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. God always wants us to get off of whatever is freezing us, blocking us, and then get back to business. He took it right back to the focus, which later on in this chapter becomes the Great Commission. You go and tell. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. That's great. We hope you all have a great Bible study uh, this week, and we look forward to you being part of our podcast next week.